Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. Today we have an exciting guest who is revolutionizing an emerging industry for good. Lester Crafton is turning the solar industry upside down by not only removing all the smoke and mirrors from the purchasing process, but also creating an invaluable tool to help nonprofits raise funds. OvaNova is starting a catalyst for a solar energy revolution. Lester, thank you so much for joining me today. Wow, I feel really good about what I'm doing now. Thanks for the warm introduction, Alex. <laughs> well, I have to admit, you really are turning this industry upside down, and I'm so excited to get into all the details. But let's break down what is currently happening out there. Okay. I was watching one of your guys' trailers, and it describes you as a confused environmentalist, where solar energy is better for the earth. It's less expensive in many areas of the country, and it's easy to maintain. But yet, we don't see solar energy as a commonplace. Why is that? Well, I think part of it is the way that the solar industry came into being. I mean, it's not a new technology. It's been around since the 70s. And so people kind of know that it's there, but they don't know what's changed, especially in the last five years. The entire industry is tipped, taking it from a luxury good from, that only the super concerned environmentalists care about to something that every single person, especially in a state like California, could benefit massively from if they just knew what was going on. But what we saw was an unwillingness for people to even be willing to explore solar energy because of the way that it is, it is we feel, because of the way it's being marketed. Now, one of the things when you and I connected was you were describing how when me as a consumer would call in and ask for a quote about solar, just a simple introductory, a toe in the water, if you will. Next thing I know, I have to change my phone lines because I'm just bombarded with different people. Is that kind of what you guys were finding? Well, actually, yeah, Alex. It's funny that you bring up that example. That, that specific example is from a professor at Santa Monica College. And he actually teaches solar energy and prepares people for the industry. And he doesn't have solar in his home. And he told us about three experiences. One was he had someone come by. He was obviously very interested in solar. But by the end, there was such a confusing contract that he just didn't trust that the people had his best interest in mind. The second person who came by sat there for about four hours, even after the professor said, I don't need a spiel, I understand solar energy. And by the end was asking, why won't you just buy for me? I need one more sale to make my quota, which Ooh. is, yeah, which is, that's an experience nobody likes to go through, but it's just a leftover part of the industry because the industry started with little mom and pop shops with no professional training, no marketing experience, none of that stuff. The, the third part and the third thing that the professor told us, Alex, was, uh, he said, that after that experience with the salesperson, he said, I still want solar. And then it was like you said. He entered some information online and he literally got so many calls because information had been sold to so many people because the solar industry really wants to meet people. They're just not very good at doing it. 
but he had to disconnect his landline to stop from being harassed when all he wanted to know was what is the simplest way for me to go solar and what's the best value for me in a way that how can I do it with somebody that I trust? When a professor who teaches on solar can't navigate the system, there is something inherently wrong with that system. <laughs> I mean, on so many different levels. Yeah, and I don't, I, we don't disagree with that. We're working really hard on saying only positive things about all of the people in the industry because the truth is we don't see them like competitors. You know, we're not, we're not even a solar company. We are actually the very first solar fundraising company. There are a lot of solar companies who do fundraising to try to find customers, but we completely focus on the solar fundraising aspect of what we're doing. So we see the other people, all of the solar providers are like our cousins and everybody has some cousins in the family that do some things that you probably talk about when the cousins aren't around, but at the same time, they're still in your family. And if there's people who are helping people go solar in whatever capacity they're currently able, we are grateful for those people in the industry. Well, when you're talking about how you guys are just all connected and you're all almost family within the industry, one of the descriptors of your company is almost a free solar matchmaker. Can you break uh -huh. that down for us? Yeah, it's really simple. Uh, we partner with community organizations, and I know that we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but the reason, one of the reasons we partner with community organizations is it puts the pressure on us to provide such an amazing service that a nonprofit would not only be willing to invite their members to explore solar energy, but they would enjoy the experience so much that they would tell their friends who run similar organizations. Now, that's a very different experience than what we were describing earlier, which was kind of borderline harassment. Well, these are things, again, with which we don't disagree. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where... The industry used to be so confusing and there was such low adoption that you really did need a person in your home possibly for hours explaining what direct current is and alternating current and what an inverter box is and there's all these weird things but kind of like you maybe needed a, somebody who really understood computers in 1983 or even possibly as late as 1990 but now we're to the point in the solar industry where it's time for the companies to understand, okay, this technology works, and it works incredibly, incredibly well. Like, Let's just find a way for people to hear about it in a way that makes sense for them. So all we do is you fill out some information, and then you get a quick phone call from our solar education partner to make sure you're a computer, you're not a computer, and that the, the information you entered is correct. They do. They look at this situation because the biggest question people have about solar is how much does it cost, and that's not something that can currently be answered easily. Even if you, like you said, if you sign up for a free quote with a service that says that they provide multiple quotes, what really happens is you end up talking to a hundred different sales companies, which is not an experience that anybody really seems to enjoy from the from the stories that we've heard. Yeah, I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> yeah, like people are not going to sign up for that. And then the problem is, is if you sign up with one company, you only receive the one quote. And then all what we found is almost every company will give you a better offer if they find out that you have another competition. Kind of like if you're dating someone and you find out they have another option, you're probably a little bit nicer than you would have been when you thought you were the only one. And we feel that solar is kind of a controlling environment where people 
once they have you, then they just want you to do what they want you to do and forget that you're a person and have needs of your own. Oh, gotta love dating. <laughs> Even if it is just with a solar provider. Now, one of the things you described was in the last five years that this industry has changed a lot, taking it from a luxury good to something that we can all actually have in our houses. What changed? I'd say the biggest thing that, that changed for sure was uh, Elon Musk and Solar City. They, uh, what they showed, you know, Elon Musk came up with Solar City when he was at Burning Man. And he really wanted to do something for climate change. So I think all the people that really do radical things in this business uh, tend to be a little bit on the strange side. And what Solar City did was they proved that if you have people who are dedicated to spreading the message of solar, now they went about some ways of doing that that we think are limited from door to door sales to the way that they do fundraising to telemarketing. But the point is, is that they were willing to go out and say, hey, if people hear about solar energy and they can have affordable financing options, they will adopt solar. And they were exactly right. And that's why you've heard of Solar City. There's nobody that questions the potential of the industry or the, the how big it is. What people didn't believe is that it was possible for mass adoption. What happened was is that the prices went down. There was an organized force of promotion and the financing, they worked with Wall Street to create these really slick, easy to understand for consumer things that basically said, if you're paying 20 cents now for your electricity, then you pay nothing for your panels, nothing up front, and then you pay 17 cents for the next 20 years. Starting to remove some of those smoke and mirrors, if you will, that we used to have several years back. Right. And that was because you were working with a bunch of people who started out in the roofing business. You were working with a lot of people that were mom and pop shops that people started asking them, like people that install pools because that jacks up your energy rate tremendously or your energy bill. So you have all these people who were asked about solar who got into it because people were asking about it but never had an intention to just be in solar. Now that solar is a lot easier for families to adopt, what are some of the long-term benefits of going this route? Here's the thing. You can save tens of thousands of dollars, but that's what everybody in the industry is saying. What people really care about is, does my electricity work? And they do care about saving money, but they're going to be putting something on their home. They're concerned about their home. Most people don't know that it actually is going to raise the value of their home, and the home will sell more quickly because just think about it. If if you had um, a home you were selling that would, came with electricity and one that didn't, the one that came with electricity is going to be worth more. Especially in a city like San Diego, I remember moving here and coming from, you know, the mountain states, it's not quite as sunny. But moving down here and just being so confused, like, it is sunny all year long. Yeah. And just to think of that power energizing your home, it was it was actually really surprising to see that there weren't more families adopting solar down here. And we really do think that's because of the way that our cousins and, you know, well, even ourselves learned while we were working directly with solar companies is that there's just not a collaborative environment yet. And we're working to establish that. The single biggest thing that I will say about solar in general, if that's where we are, 
is that there's never been a point in human history where we accessed a new form of energy and life didn't get way better once we learned how to use it. So what we're talking about is unleashing a form of energy where in 20 days more energy from the sun hits the earth than all of the oil and gas reserves combined, like all the energy combined. So we just want to know what can we do with that energy? You know, when we create the technology that allows a car to power itself with something the size of an iPad, even on a cloudy day, and we have the storage technology, and we already know self-driving cars are here, then we can get rid of really important things like parking garages and tow trucks, which would be nice in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, because especially having met with you down here in San Diego, you know, there's there's a lot of traffic up there. So I imagine there's a lot of different parking garages as well. So what I'm hearing is just a really unique description of unlocking different resources and your way of looking at it is so different because it's not only unlocking different potential of energy that is already here and we have the tools to use, but it's also about other resources in our lives that when we create solar as part of our daily routines, we free up other resources like the ability for a scientist to rethink some of the different areas or how we drive cars differently. I mean, that's pretty dramatic. It is huge. Energy touches everything. It's the first time in human existence that an energy source can't be controlled by another human once it's accessed. You can own a coal mine, you can own an oil well, but you can't own the sun. So to us, the only thing that made sense in terms of marketing it, the sun was to act like the sun and to be nourishing and fair to all and just infinitely giving. So I know that's a lot of words, but we're really excited about this because we're in this for the movement. We want to unleash the potential that solar energy promises to the human race because it is incredible, because of its nature, because of its collaborative, transparent, healing, nurturing nature. Such an absolutely stunning description and such a different way of looking at even energy and the different potential we as a society have when we can unleash that energy and really channel it for good rather than conflict. Yeah, that's what we're working on. Yes, yeah, like so we saw, we saw that because what solar energy ultimately creates when it's fully developed, and it sounds silly now, just like talking about computers in the late 70s and early 80s and how they were going to change the world seems silly. Or somebody looking at the oil floating around in a stream in Pennsylvania, and they thought, man, that's going to make our horses sick. Not, this is going to be the energy that allows us to create the pathways to connect with each other to create the internet or to fly like we've wanted to for a million years. But that's not the thought. Since that is the future, then the only way that made sense to do it consistently to us was to do solar in a collaborative way. Now, I absolutely love this idea of collaboration, that collaboration is the key to really moving your this movement and this revolution forward. Because yeah. you actually have some really fascinating partnerships with nonprofits. So can you let us know how you're both able to offer a more simplified, affordable version of solar energy while helping nonprofits? As far as the collaboration goes, Alex, there are a lot of solar companies who are working with nonprofits like that in order to generate prospects for them. What separates us is that we all we do is fundraising with solar. 
So what that allowed us to do was to go meet for the last six months with these nonprofits and ask, what is a program that you would be inspired to support? Not, here's what we created, let us convince you that you should accept this, but like, what is it that you would be inspired to support? Because we knew that if we could create something that would allow the community to use its collective voice to simply invite their supporters to explore solar energy, not get their people to buy solar panels, but invite their supporters to explore solar energy, then we can wake up the voice that it takes to turn this from an industry into a movement. So what we found out um, is that, one, the solar industry pays an incredible amount of money to attract customers. And we kind of look at it as, and this is no offense to the 55-year-old in a sports car that's going through a midlife crisis who just got divorced, but we kind of look at a lot of the practices like that. It's like, wow, you have a really nice car, but you have broken relationships and you're really sad. And we believe that business is relationships. So we're starting with the relationships and we're focusing only on developing thriving relationships and being an organization people trust. So because we are a solar fundraising company, instead of a solar company, we created a program where if a supporter explores solar energy and they find out that they can switch based on their home and their information about their energy usage, if they can switch, then we give the nonprofit $100, even if nobody buys. And it's such a unique way to really approach this idea where you're almost this friendly middleman who people trust, who people like, who people support your mission because you did all that groundwork where you went to the community and said, what inspires you and how can we get you on board? You're really building trust. You're adding to the mission. You're educating people. And then on top of it, you are finding the most competitive deals to present to these different community organizations. Right. Well, thanks. Yeah, we that that's exactly what we think we're doing. It's very female. Um, yeah, Ova Nova, the name is very female. The energy is female. We just don't think the screaming at people about saving more money is an effective way because it's had 20 years. We don't believe that the controlling salesperson is an effective way to spread solar because that's been around now for a few. And we don't think that these really confusing financial agreements that are great for Wall Street, but not really actually that good for consumers are necessarily the best way to go about doing solar either. But we're not here to condemn anybody who's doing it that way because ultimately it's still better than destroying the earth and having wars to protect shipping channels for oil. So even going solar in the bad way is better than not. Well, lots of exciting and fun things on the horizon as Ova Nova really changes this industry making it both friendlier and more effective. So very excited to see that come full circle. <laughs> we are too. We love being on with you today. We just love human beings and we're looking forward to creating a world where we all can play. The rapid fire is one of my all-time favorite parts of the show. And I think it's just because of those adventures we get to talk about, like shark diving. How many guests have we had that have gone shark diving? Absolutely incredible. 
But before we dive into that, I wanted to share a quick insight from this incredible event called Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, which was all about focusing in and channeling the power of service to fuel powerful social enterprises. So that insight was all about asking permission. Sometimes we wait too long to act, almost waiting for the world to give us the okay. K-Tekka founder describes a pivotal moment in his journey where he could either move forward or ask permission. If you're at a point in your life where you're ready to activate and you're ready to move forward, then this event is for you. Unlock all 20 recordings at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com slash live. That includes some incredible founders like Three Twins Ice Cream, Cooley Cooley, Sponsor Change, My Ed Match, and more. And with that, I think we're ready for a dose of adventure. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about a recent adventure or excursion you've gone on? Who, gosh, a recent excursion that I've gone on. Uh, last weekend, uh, my partner and I painted a nude model at a really cool place called Co-Creation. And I've been really, really bad at art. She is an artist. And uh, we had a great time meeting a lot of young creative people who also had never done anything like that. So that was an adventurous thing that I didn't think I would ever do. There you go. Adventure in every area, including art. Recreation cafe. There you go. Many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Have you found this to be true or beneficial in your work? Yes, I find inspiration outside. There's this place called Ojai, California that has amazing natural hot springs. And we love to spend time there to the point where we've even thought about having all of our most important business meetings setting naked in a hot spring just so they would be authentic. So you would have to admit that would be very, very authentic. <laughs> that would be awesome. And then we're just inspired by nature in general. Like the fact that we take so little. We learned that from watching whales. Whales eat the tiniest things in the sea and they grow to be really huge. So instead of being the predators in the current solar industry who just try to take as much as they can from every animal, we take a very little amount and help connect the entire ecosystem. Oh, so nature, I mean, there are just so many different correlations to the work that you're doing out in nature, out of hot springs, in your birthday suit. <laughs> can't even imagine it. Absolutely. The funny thing is, after working so hard in a traditional manner for so long to try to make things happen, it's been beautiful just to watch it unfold naturally. Great people. Or like the way I met you was through a series of friends. And it turned out that we already had more friends. And our world in this space is becoming increasingly more connected. And we love it. And that saying is so true. It is such a small world and it really is incredible the different people that you get to meet and be connected to. So I know personally that you love being connected to people and I'm so excited to be one of the ones that you got connected to. What book do you recommend to others who want to make a socially minded impact? There's this book called I Love Everyone. It's 10 pages long. 10 pages. That's 10, a quick read. Yes. It's 10 pages. It's called I Love Everyone. And I'm walking around right now looking for it because usually it's setting up or it has been for the last week. I don't see it. But it's a guy. It's just called I Love Everyone. It's a cartoon book. And it is the best book I can imagine to help open up your heart to loving people enough to be able to find things that you can bring to them and for them. From a more traditional point, I would read Bold by uh, Diamandis. 
Uh, if you're actually looking to start a business and understand what business means today and the what we're doing today wouldn't have been possible five years ago, wouldn't have been possible three years ago. And every day new things become possible that weren't possible before. And Bold is just a great book of 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 helping you understand the world that's coming is a really awesome place. So I love everyone. My guy whose name I don't remember because I don't see my book lying around right now. <laughs> and Diamandis wrote Bold. Those are my two favorite books currently about social entrepreneurship. Well, I haven't read I Love Everyone. I have read Bold and it is so good. And it's actually really mind-blowing. All the different technologies that they're describing that are not only in the future, some of them are here now, just in prototyping. Is there a mantra or a motto that guides forward your work with Ovanova? It's just the mission. How do we add as much value as possible to as many lives as possible? So simple, yet so powerful. That's it. Oh, What is one tip that you have for our listeners today to make a positive impact in their life? You know, I gave a lot of tips to a lot of people for my entire life, and I found that unless people ask for it directly, they don't tend to like advice that much. So if you want to have a big impact on people, my only tip would be see how many questions you can ask other people today and listen without throwing um, your judgment of what they should be saying onto what they're saying. If you want to make a big difference, it starts with the willingness to listen to other people. Ask, what have you been thinking about recently? You know, what would you do if you couldn't fail? What was growing up like for you? What would you, like, if money weren't an object, what would you be doing right now? What's keeping you from doing that? Like, the questions are endless, but open-ended questions are the greatest path to self-discovery because in listening to them, you realize that every single person on earth is just like you. They deeply want to love each other. We deeply want to be connected, but we're afraid. And it's scary to be afraid. <laughs> That's so stupid. It's scary to be afraid. Listen to the philosopher talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> and we want to be we want to be connected deeply and we're living in a world that we're finally that's becoming possible. Oh, absolutely incredible advice. I personally love open-ended questions. And just because you walked into that, I have one um kind of off the cuff open-ended question for you if you'll let me. Oh, of course. What did your childhood smell like? Farm <laughs> except for Saturday mornings it smelled like pine saw because I knew that my mom was cleaning my dad was working my mom was cleaning cartoons were on and life was good so I would say farming and pine saw oh Lester you have been such an incredible <laughs> guest today and I love that you indulged my very odd open-ended question to end off today's episode <laughs> well thank you for indulging my very long answers and I uh, look forward to being a friend of the podcast for as long as you'll have us yes, thank you Al. and if our listeners are really inspired today and they want to experience this different way of embracing solar how do they get in touch go to ovanova.co it rhymes with flow or yo it's not .com it's ovanova.co just like being a co-profit company <laughs> And uh, just click where it says community organizations, enter some information, and we'll give you a call and set up a campaign or give you a chance to tell us how to make our program inspiring so that there are no catches for you so that you'll be willing to because we really need to engage the power and the influence of the communities to invite their supporters to go solar. Or send me a message on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever. I'm a, I'm a normal human being just like everybody else. My last name is Crafton, C-R-A-F-T-O-N. I'm the only one on Facebook and LinkedIn. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lester.
Thank you, Alex. <laughs> have, a, have an awesome day. Well, movers and shakers, I hope you guys enjoyed this inside look at how the solar industry is not only going to be more affordable, easier to access, but also so beneficial on multiple different levels. For all of the resources mentioned today, head on over to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash OVANOVA. That's O-V-A-N-O-V-A. Hang out with us there, and we're also going to give you two free audio downloads thanks to Audible. So you can listen to Bold and hear about all the different deceptive technologies and emerging markets that are happening right now and position your social enterprise to make a huge impact. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.